This is the Mathematics Education Podcast from MathEdPodcast.com. to the Math Ed Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri, and my guest is Dr. Patricia Campbell, who's an associate professor in the Center for Mathematics Education at the University of Maryland. Patricia, thanks so much for being here with me. Oh, thank you very much. We're going to be talking about Pat's article in the Journal for Research in Mathematics Education, Volume 45. The article is entitled, The Relationship Between Teachers' Mathematical Content and Pedagogical Knowledge, Teachers' Perceptions, and Student Achievement. And that was written with a team of authors that Pat led. Um, there was also Masako Nishio, Tony Smith, Lawrence Clark, Darcy Konantz, Amber Rust, Jill DePiper, Toya Frank, Matthew Griffin, and Young Choi. So Pat, first of all, congratulations on bringing that team together. <laughs> Thank you. It was really an effort that took a long time to get all the instruments developed and the data collected. Folks might be interested to know that Masako Nishio was a postdoc research associate, and Lawrence Clark is a, at that time was an assistant professor, and now he's an associate professor here at the University of Maryland. And all the other authors were graduate students. Oh, wow. Great team. And yeah, you're tackling some pretty big topics here with mathematical content knowledge, pedagogical knowledge, and relating that to student achievement. So that's going to be fun to talk about. Before we get there, I do want to just back up in your own personal history. Um, you did your graduate studies at Florida State University, so I was just wondering who you worked with there and what the topic of your dissertation was. I worked with Eugene Nichols, and the topic of my dissertation was about first-grade children's interpretation of mathematics textbook pictures. In particular, whether and how young children interpreted pictures in math books, which are static graphic images, as either the addition or subtraction of whole numbers. Something that has absolutely nothing to do with this paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we're still in kind of the elementary arena, um, but yeah, that one's looking more at students' perceptions. I'm, I am interested in how students would use textbooks like that. I've kind of looked more at the high school level of geometry diagrams, but I do think it's fascinating these things are put in the textbooks and thinking about how students actually receive them. But shifting to the Jeremy article in volume 45, in the past there's definitely been a lot of work at the elementary level, not looking at students, but looking at mathematics, teachers' knowledge, um, a whole body of literature related to that knowledge. But then what did you do to set out to add to that literature base with the study? How were you adding on to that body of work that's already there? Okay, so first I'm going to say a little bit about the work that was already there. Most of that work looked at elementary teachers' knowledge of mathematics, and it was trying to document either prospective teachers or practicing teachers' limited understandings is what it typically ended up displaying. And generally, what this work was is folks put together inventories, broad inventories of mathematics content that the prior authors, who were either mathematicians or mathematics educators, argued that an elementary school teacher of mathematics should know that content. And then they documented whether or not prospective or practicing teachers did in fact know it or not know it. Mm. And the assumptions behind those definitions of sort of what is the content that elementary teachers should know sometimes relied on characterizations where you would define mathematical structures underlying the content domain that teachers were teaching in the curriculum. 
And sometimes it identified tasks or content that would come up when a teacher was teaching mathematics. And at other times, it addressed mathematical reasoning or understandings that were displayed if you watched exemplars of teaching. If you watched, for example, videotapes of teaching, you'd say, oh, our teacher needed to understand something to mathematics to put that task up or to respond to that question or to ask a question of the students. So our rationale was different. We were interested in figuring out if we could define teacher knowledge and investigate the question of whether or not teacher knowledge could potentially influence teachers' classroom practice in ways that then subsequently influence student achievement. So some people call this kind of a black box study where you think of you've got teacher knowledge coming in and then you have instruction in classroom practice and then you have student achievement coming out. And we did not measure the middle at all. We did not measure anything about how teachers actually taught the students. So that was a black box. Mm -hmm. We measured the knowledge coming in and then we measured the achievement coming out. And our question was, could we in fact characterize the strength of a relationship, if there in fact even was a relationship, between teacher knowledge and student achievement? And that we were going to measure student achievement not by defining our own test, but by rather using what's sort of become a gold standard in policy, and that is the state achievement test that kids already take. So in other words, we were interested in saying, can we assess teacher knowledge in terms of both content knowledge of the mathematics and pedagogical knowledge for teaching mathematics? And could these measures of teacher knowledge then define a content that in fact influences kids' performance on state achievement tests. So because of that, when we set up our measures of teacher knowledge, we were looking for only knowledge, content knowledge and pedagogical knowledge that aligned with the math content on state curriculum standards and is measured on state assessments. So we focused on teacher knowledge that might most directly influence student achievement in math as assessed on those high stakes standardized state tests. So in that sense, I guess you could say we stacked the deck. We only wanted to know whether or not teacher knowledge was related to student achievement on state tests. So we only assessed those aspects of teacher knowledge that were aligned with the content that defined the state test. So we're not claiming that our measures of teacher knowledge are all-encompassing or exhaustive. In fact, they're not. Yeah, and I think that makes sense, though, too, for your goals. And I think the goals that you've laid out are important, not just for research, but definitely for the practical realm and policy realm as well. And I wanted to say, too, so you focus a lot on the content knowledge and the pedagogical knowledge, but you do bring in teachers' perceptions. Do you want to say a little bit about how that fit into this map for the study as well? Sure. So let's just sort of say a what if. What if you had two teachers who had exactly the same content knowledge and pedagogical knowledge, and they were each teaching two groups of kids at the same grade, same background, same level of understanding, would they teach identically? And the odds are probably no, because how a teacher would teach would depend a lot about the decisions that that teacher would make, which are influenced, we thought, by teachers' beliefs about mathematics teaching and learning, 
about what math content is, about how kids learn math, about the best ways to teach math. Those are decisions that teachers make every day. And in fact, they make them on the fly when they're teaching kids. We also thought it might be that there's something there about the kids, that kids have different kinds of dispositions towards learning and towards schooling and in towards mathematics. So we couldn't assess the kids' dispositions in mathematics, but we could assess through a survey what teachers claimed they did to try and understand their kids' dispositions about mathematics and to sort of pull the kids in to believe that they could, in fact, conquer and understand the content. So for that reason, we don't think it's really sterile that teacher knowledge is going to define student achievement. We think teachers' beliefs and their perceptions about math teaching and learning and their perceptions or things they do to support kids' mathematical dispositions, we think all that comes into play as well. So for that reason, we conducted a survey of teachers to try and get a handle on that part as well. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that survey and the teachers that you had involved, so what is the range of participants that we're talking about in the study, and what were the data that you gathered to answer your questions? Okay, so the, the teachers that we collected data from were teachers of fourth through eighth grade mathematics. So they were either fourth or fifth grade teachers or middle school sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teachers, or they might have been sixth grade teachers in an elementary school. We had all kinds of combinations of terms of where the school districts, how they broke the grades up into schooling. But they were all fourth grade through eighth grade teachers of math. And they were in three states, either Delaware, Maryland, or Pennsylvania. And what we did was we developed these instruments that I'll talk about in a minute. And we went to school districts and said, we would like to assess teachers and then compare this to their students' achievement on your state math test. So what we needed was school districts to agree to do this because mm -hmm. it's the school districts that hold the kid data. Right. And then in terms of assessing the teachers, we did this on either a Saturday or a day in the summer when the teachers were not teaching. We went to them we went to these local communities spread all over Delaware, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. What we did, to be honest, is we went to the local Holiday Inn Express or Hampton Inn or somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. We rented a conference room. The teachers came there. They did the surveys. We gave them free lunch. And then at the end, we paid them $350 for their one day of effort. And then we got the student achievement data from the school district. Okay. And there were four sets of data from the teachers. One was the knowledge scores. So there were a set of 80 content items, math content items for the fourth and fifth grade teachers, and another 80 content items for the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teachers. And then there were 40 pedagogical content items about the pedagogy of teaching that math content for the fourth and fifth grade teachers, and a completely different 40 items about pedagogical content knowledge for the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade teachers. So both sets of teachers took 120 items, and they were all multiple choice. Then the teachers also took the survey. It was a Likert survey where you mark whether you agree or strongly disagree with statements, and the statements were all about beliefs about teaching math and learning of math, as well as 
whether the teachers were claiming they did things to be aware of their students' mathematical dispositions. Then we also collected some data on the teacher's professional background. For example, uh, whether or not they were certified, if they were certified, what certification did they have? What was their route to certification? Was it a four-year bachelor's degree? Was it an alternative method? Was it something where they came back and got a master's degree after their bachelor's degree? We also have their years of teaching experience. Oh, and by the way, they all had six years or less teaching mm. experience. Wow. And then we also wanted to know the needs of their math and math ed courses. Mm. We also had some data about the teacher's current teaching assignment, what grade they taught, whether or not they were teaching, or if they were in the middle school, what courses did they teach? Did they teach algebra or seventh grade math? We also wanted to know if they taught only math all day, or if they taught math in other subjects. And so those were the four data sets for teachers. One on knowledge, one on beliefs and perceptions, one on professional background, and one on teaching assignments. And then we had the final data set about the students. That was the demographics of individual students who were taught by these teachers, linked to the teacher, as well as those students' individual scores on the state assessments. Now, all of that student data was anonymous. By that, I mean there was an entry of assessment and demographic data on a student, and we knew the name of the teacher who taught that student, but we did not know the name of that student. Mm -hmm. And the student data varied by state, right? So you're talking about three states, but you used whatever was the relevant assessment data for that state. That's correct. And then what we did through a statistical procedure is that, so first of all, in each state, the tests are standardized, which means two things. It means first that, for example, all fourth graders are taking the same test. And then the other thing it means is that the state scores are in fact standardized. There's a distribution. And so what we got were scores that had already been standardized by the state. And then we standardized them across the three states. Okay. And that's the data that we used. Sure. Okay. My guest is Pat Campbell from the University of Maryland, um, and we're talking about her article on the relationship between teachers' mathematical content and pedagogical knowledge, teachers' perceptions, and student achievement. So now I want to move into results um, when you're looking across that data. What were the main results you found with respect to the teachers' content knowledge and then how that related to student achievement? Okay, so it differed slightly for the fourth and fifth grade teachers than it did for the middle grade teachers in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. For the fourth and fifth grade teachers, teacher knowledge predicted student achievement, but only if there were a number of other control variables in the statistical model. So we had to control for teachers' beliefs, we had to control for their instructional assignment. And in that case, when we did all of that, then what happened is you found that the teacher knowledge did predict student achievement. And roughly the difference was that for every standard deviation increase in teacher knowledge, the student achievement went up about 7%. Now that's not particularly large, but it is significant. At the middle grades level, what we found was a much stronger relationship between teacher knowledge and student achievement. There, whether or not we put other control variables in or we removed them and only left teacher knowledge, we found a significant relationship. Teacher knowledge in the middle grades is predicting student achievement and quite strongly. In the middle grades, it's roughly for every standard deviation increase 
in the teacher's knowledge of mathematics content, the student achievement will go up about 22%, which mm -hmm. is a very large amount. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we found a little different between the upper elementary and the middle grades was that in the upper elementary grades, there was a significant interaction between the teacher's content knowledge and their claimed awareness of their students' mathematical dispositions. So remember, if teacher knowledge went up, student achievement went up in the elementary school. It didn't go up real fast and real steeply, but it did go up. But if you took teachers who had the same knowledge, and some of those teachers did things to try and understand and to work with their kids' mathematical dispositions, and other teachers did not, but the teacher knowledge is basically the same, and all the other information about the kids is basically the same. What we found is those teachers who did things to address, or claim they did things to address their kids' mathematical dispositions, they had higher achievement than the other teachers with the same content knowledge. Hmm. Now, when we went to the middle grade teachers, we also found a significant interaction, but it was different. There, what we found is that you had teachers who felt that when you teach mathematics in the middle grades, you should model how to do the math. You should demonstrate how to solve the problems. And you should organize your instruction to support incremental mastery. Sort of like you know, teacher's job is to clearly and in an organized manner tell teachers, students rather, how to do this, how to do the math. And a student's job is to ask questions if they don't understand and to practice. And a teacher should organize this according to the math structure. And you know you do skills and then you do problems. That's one belief. Now, not all teachers believe that. Many teachers don't. But what we found was that for teachers who did believe that in the middle grades, there was an interaction between their knowledge and student achievement. If the teachers were very strong in their content knowledge, over a standard deviation higher than all the other middle grade teachers, and that was their belief, their kid achievement was even higher. Because remember, everybody's achievement goes up as teacher knowledge goes up. Mm -hmm. But if you had those beliefs and you were very strong in that, your kid achievement was even higher. Hmm. Conversely, if you had those beliefs, and your teacher knowledge was low, your student achievement was precipitously dropped. It just tanked. So in other words, the relationship between teacher knowledge and student achievement was magnified if you have this belief. Mm -hmm. Now that's sort of the issue that that raises is that in a lot of districts that are having trouble finding middle school math teachers who know a lot of math, they're trying to script the teachers or tell them exactly how to teach and think that'll take care of it. And what this data says is that it won't. That what you need is a knowledgeable teacher. You can't just script your way around teacher knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting too with the, if we want to just call it traditional beliefs about how to teach mathematics, that what you've kind of exposed is this, you know, bimodal type of relationship where if you pair it with strong knowledge, then you get strong achievement. If you pair it with weak knowledge, then you can get really weak achievement. And that's interesting to me because I've been having conversations recently about how 
um, those of us here that have reform-oriented type of belief system, we also fear that there's kind of this bimodal thing that might happen because reform-oriented teaching is so hard to achieve at a high level to really get the discussions happening and have them go in productive directions and pull the student thinking out in productive ways. We feel like because that's such a challenge for teachers... You know, if you can get really good at it, you can get these really amazing student achievement outcomes, but it's so hard that there might be a lot of crashing and burning. Like, there might be a lot of, oh, I'm trying to do this reform-oriented stuff, but it's not going very well because it's so complex and having the students involved is so challenging. And this was all just kind of hypothetical, us talking about, you know, from our intuitive sense of instruction. Uh, I wouldn't have expected such a strong bimodal kind of breakdown related to the teacher knowledge on the traditional belief side, but you actually have data to back it up, so I need to give that serious consideration. <laughs> right. We think what's happening is that teachers who have strong knowledge, when they teach and they're doing a lot of demonstration and incremental mastery, and they're organizing their instruction in terms of incremental mastery, at the same time, because they understand the mathematics, they're asking good questions, or they're making apparent to the students the mathematical understandings that underlie the techniques that they're teaching. Hmm. Where if you have weak teacher knowledge, they're just teaching the content strategies, well, not even strategies, mechanisms or procedures, and they can't explain what's going on, so they're not addressing the understanding of the students at all. And so I think what this argues is that even though it's not, as you say, looking at reform mathematics, it's arguing at the same time, though, what's really key is teaching in ways that advantage students' understanding of mathematics, and that if you do that, you get better achievement. Mm -hmm. That it's not just a matter of remembering what to do, it's a matter of understanding, and you have mm -hmm. to teach in ways that foster the understanding. Mm -hmm. And that requires knowledge of the content on the part of the teacher. And then I wanted to give you a chance briefly to mention um, the teacher's pedagogical content knowledge and how that related to student achievement as well. Okay, so for the upper grade elementary teachers, pedagogical content knowledge did not predict student achievement in any way. Whether we put controls in the model or not, it didn't matter. At the middle grades teachers, all of the relationships that we saw about teachers' content knowledge were echoed with teachers' pedagogical content it's almost as if we're looking at similar data. Hmm. And so what that argues is that for middle grades teachers, it's both pedagogical content knowledge and mathematical content knowledge are critically important to such an extent that if you really wanted to address how to increase student achievement in mathematics prior to high school, then a key approach will be to enhance both the mathematical content knowledge and the pedagogical content knowledge of the teachers. So now I'm, I'm hoping that you can step back and help us think about this more um, because you've looked closely at past literature and then you have your own study that you've done here that we've been talking about. But I was wondering if you could kind of synthesize for us in your thoughts, what do we know about the impact of teacher content knowledge on student achievement in mathematics, say at the elementary school level, looking across past work and also your study, and can you give kind of a big picture for us? Well, I think in a nutshell, the answer is teacher content knowledge in mathematics matters. And in the upper elementary grades, what we've seen here, and to some extent the work that Deborah Ball and her colleagues also did earlier, 
It argues that even in the primary grades, the teacher knowledge matters in mathematics in terms of student achievement. And I think what you see here, it's not just the content knowledge, it's also for the teacher knowledge to intersect with teachers' heightened awareness of how their students are forming impressions about their own mathematical capability. And that teachers who are aware of that and who are doing things in the classroom to support and bolster kids' mathematical dispositions are going to end up with higher achievement, particularly in the cases where you have higher teacher knowledge. And so I think what that says for us in mathematics education who are working with either folks who want to prepare to be teachers or who are working with practicing teachers, as well as for policymakers and folks in school districts who are supporting the professional development of teachers. Is that in the elementary grades? Even though we're saying, yes, every first grade teacher knows how to add, but do those first grade teachers really have a deep understanding of how this all plays out? And are they aware of supporting their own, their children's mathematical dispositions to support that understanding? And I think the deep knowledge is absolutely critical of both the content and the pedagogy. States like Missouri are currently implementing things called uh, elementary mathematics specialist certificates. And so these are kind of like um, a parallel to reading specialists or literacy specialists that a lot of schools have. And there's a lot of certificate programs for that. But now we're seeing this elementary math specialist certificate. And an idea behind these certificates is that it would hopefully enhance the content knowledge and enhance the pedagogical content knowledge of teachers at the elementary level. But then there's a decision about what these now certified math specialists might do. So what would be your advice to school administrators who are thinking about using teachers who now have this training of uh, elementary math specialization? Okay, so I think the first thing is, what is it that an elementary mathematics specialist is to do? And so what we have right now happening in schools is that there's sort of two different routes that teachers who have these certifications are placed on. And one is that there are teachers who are responsible only for teaching mathematics all day, and they teach mathematics to children. And so I'm going to call them like specialized teachers of mathematics. And then there are others, they in fact are not responsible for teaching students. They're responsible for coaching teachers to try and work to change the way those teachers, other teachers are teaching mathematics to support the understanding of other teachers and to sort of serve as the community organizer for mathematics in the school. So it doesn't matter which kind of specialist you are, both kinds of specialists are going to need professional development and coursework to support their deeper knowledge of math content and pedagogy. And this is absolutely critical because what tends to happen is that administrators look for teachers who are willing to become the specialized math teacher or who are willing to be the math coach and the teacher leader for mathematics in the school. But just because a teacher is willing doesn't mean that the teacher has the knowledge or the skills that are needed for that. And in fact, what we found in the study that we've been talking about is that there were upper grade elementary teachers who taught math all day. They didn't teach any other subject. 
But their students didn't have any better achievement than anybody else's students in the upper elementary. But here's the critical part. They didn't have any more knowledge than any of the other teachers. In other words, they were just the teachers who were willing to teach math all day. And so I think the, the biggest thing is that if school administrators wish to do this, what you're doing in Missouri and having a certificate is absolutely critical. Folks who have this responsibility need to have deeper knowledge and skills for those positions. Now, if you're also in a coaching position, it's not just knowledge about teaching and learning mathematics. It's also knowledge about working with adults. Just because you're a wonderful teacher of children doesn't mean that you would be a wonderful teacher of adults. So learning how to be a teacher leader, learning how to coach other teachers, learning how to work with other teachers to change the way that they're teaching mathematics, that's not something that you can just jump into. You need professional support to do that. So if coaching is part of your responsibility, you're going to need coursework to address that. If your responsibility is to be the sole mathematics teacher in a particular grade, you're going to need deeper knowledge and skills associated with that position. And so both of those job descriptions require knowledge and skills about mathematics content pedagogy. So one of the things I would say to administrators is whichever approach they're taking, they need a job description. The principal needs to know and the specialist needs to know what their expectations are. I would also encourage local school administrators to meet as a team if they have a single mathematics coaching specialist to meet with that individual in their school, or if they have one or two elementary math specialists who are the specialized teachers of mathematics, or maybe also a coach. Whatever they have that are in those positions, those folks, that they meet as a team with the principal before the school year began in order to set goals for math instruction for the coming year, to clarify roles and responsibilities, and to set a plan for how the specialist would work together if there are more than one of them. For example, what if you have a fourth grade specialized teacher in math and a fifth grade specialized teacher in math because you're in a really large school, then how are you going to have those folks work together? And they and the administrators need to get together to plan this out. I would also hope that there would be a commitment to meet regularly in ongoing sessions to support reflective conversations and for the administrators to share expectations for the issues that the specialists will bring to the meetings. And this could also be a mechanism by which the specialist can support the administrators growing and deepening understanding of mathematics learning and teaching. But in no case, no matter which definition of math specialist you're using, those folks should have no evaluative responsibility. They should not be put in the position of evaluating other teachers. That's an administrative job, and that's something that the principal or the assistant principal should do, not the elementary math specialist and not even for mathematics, because the specialist has to have a sense of trust with the other teachers in the school. 
Pat Campbell is an associate professor at the University of Maryland. And Pat, you can tell from listening to you uh, that you're very passionate about this work. And you've given us a lot of good insights. Now I want to break you actually out and away from work and ask you to just imagine your life if you hadn't gone into mathematics education. What might you see yourself doing instead? <laughs> okay. Well, this is kind of hard for me to think about. And I'll tell you why. Because ever since I was in high school, I knew that whatever I was going to do, it had to have something to do with mathematics. Mm. And that was because I was good at it and I enjoyed it. And it's also because I have an absolutely miserable memory for names and dates and definitions. I even get the names of my kids mixed up. <laughs> but math was a venue where it didn't matter because if you forgot something, you could always just figure it out. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of hard for me to think of not doing something related to mathematics. So it might not have been math education, but it might have had something to do with mathematics. And um, a lot of the work I do now in terms of the research has a quantitative lens to it. I like statistics, so I only learned enough statistics to be able to do the work I do, but it, you know, in another day and age, I might do that. But if it had nothing to do with math or statistics, my hunch is that I would like to do something about traveling. I really like to travel. And I'm not sure why. I grew up in a very rural, isolated area, so you didn't travel. <laughs> <laughs> you were just there. And so um, I grew up in a town of 122 people in rural Illinois. Mm. And so, you know, people were born there and they lived there all their lives. And so now that I've done, after I got older and did more traveling, I love to travel. So if I wasn't doing something with math, maybe something about traveling. Yeah. Do you have any trips coming up in 2015? Actually, over a spring break, we're going to St. John, U.S. Virgin Islands, my husband and my sister in London. Oh, great. Well, Pat, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MathEd Podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, please use the PayPal donation button at mathedpodcast.com.